Hello to anyone who's listening to this and is uh, still interested in a critical analysis show of House MD six years after the fact. Uh, this is differential diagnosis, which is, as I just said, a critical analysis of every episode of House. Um, my name's Harvey. I'll be hosting. And along with me, hosting is my friend Gareth. Hello. Who I will be calling Gaz. Yep. Because that's his name. And I don't know why I called him Gareth. <laughs> well. I don't know either, so, you know, it's very interesting. I think it reveals something very psychologically, Yeah, I'm playing up for the microphone. Really? (laughs) But, um, in general, we we realised that uh, six years after, you know, House ended, which I recently just found out, is, um, quite a long time to do an episode-by-episode analysis of uh, of a show. I know that, you know, people, I've seen, I've seen... (laughs) (laughs) You've been on Reddit. You saw some people were really upset that there weren't any house criticism uh, podcasts. Mm. And, well, you've come up with an idea, crazy idea, to bring it out into the interwebs. <laughs> but the um, e- even though it's six years after the fact, the the real, mostly the reason for this was um, my friend Gaz has uh, he sort of you know caught the show in the original run, but he never finished it, and he started watching it again recently. And uh, I've seen the show through multiple times and just thought, why why don't we watch it? And while we're watching it, like, why don't we analyze the show? Because I think um, Gaz would agree that for a network show, I, and hopefully Gaz will agree with this, is I actually think House is a pretty, like, it's a very original show. I think it's, um, it definitely focuses on darker tones and has pretty good character development for the type of show it could be, like, compared to most medical procedurals. I think it could have been a lot more generic than it was mm. and it was definitely uh, operating within the confines of network television on universal as well um, and obviously you can see in the politics that occurs in the writing of season one especially in the pilot where it is so saccharine sweet at the end <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. that you could definitely see there was some struggling there to get the right tone for house and somehow also please the studio executives so in that respect, it, it manages to juggle the tightrope of giving something quite interesting and it has some sort of, uh, no pun intended, art house <laughs> sensibilities. Art house MD. <laughs> but th- um, those, are the, those are the kind of things we're sort of going to go into as we look into it because, um, yeah, I think you and I noticed in the pilot episode that it does have a very generic feel to it, mm. that it kind of feels like they sort of slipped it under the radar. And in a way, that's why, like, House is relatively impressive. Like, it is a sort of... Like, people often talk about House like it's quite formulaic, which it certainly is. Like, every episode of House follows a very distinct formula. Mm. But the interesting thing about that is that within that, it's actually it's actually got quite a lot of good character development and quite horrific moments going on. Like, mm. I think it explores a lot of quite dark themes quite well. Mm. Even though, like, most people who watch the show casually would be like, oh, you know house the house formula is pretty basic it's house you know see something interesting makes a guess it isn't right makes a guess nothing right he goes and like talks to wilson or jerks off for five minutes and then like you know his jizz lands on the floor and makes the shape of like you know a heart and he's like oh my god the the person actually has a cardiac tumor like I think that's like what people currently know as House, but we thought, hey, as fans, we'd walk through it, we'd watch it, and we'd like do some analysis on those kind of things that people maybe don't talk about. 
Yeah, for the sake of clarity and given um, Harvey's diagnosis of cardiac tumour, um, <laughs> we're also, we are not practising med- medical professionals. So any of our kind of theories or madcap understandings or conceptions of physiology are not to be taken with any remote sense of seriousness. Also, point point of order, I did not use art house seriously that was an attempt at a shit pun (laughs) and please let me you know any film buffs or whatever you know leave me alone (laughs) don't criticize me for that yeah um and you know let's just focus on the the house yeah well i think the lack of medical knowledge is an important point because uh i don't believe you're a doctor no guys neither am i surprisingly (laughs) i'm just a bloke who, uh, you know, I, I like a show and I think I can frame a thought. <laughs> and that's um, that's pretty much what you need, I think, yeah, to talk that, about a show. That's a really low bar for criticism. It's the <laughs> lowest bar, but I'm happy I'm happy to wield it. Oh, fantastic. The, um, I. So I, I think with the, with the episodes, like this obviously isn't an essay. This isn't something that we've scripted, mm. as you might have noticed. So I think... Um, Probably the the structure of each episode is we've pretty much got the episode on in the background. Obviously, you won't hear it because that would sound terrible. But um, I think what we'll do is we'll we'll just walk through the episodes, sort of talk about our thoughts on each one. Um, I think like casual viewers, we're pretty much going to ignore the medicine. I think like I don't really think the medicines like the medicines always been like a backbone of the show, but it's not like most people don't watch House like really understanding the medicine. Uh, maybe I don't, but I think it's more, as I say, I think it's a character study hidden underneath a medical procedural. And I don't think the medicine is actually particularly important unless it's like thematically tied to the episode, which it often is. Yeah. And so I think um, I think what we'll be doing is watching the show in that way. You know, we'll be talking about scenes as they go. We'll edit it down, obviously. And I think, um, uh, uh, as I say, this is the first episode, like we've selected the first three episodes to look at. But, you know, it depends how many episodes we get through. Maybe we'll just talk about the first episode for an hour. Mm-hmm. But um, I quite I think that if we sort of touch on multiple episodes, we'll sort of like it gives us an ability to check out arcs. But um, for the first episode, we'll definitely be checking out the pilot compared to the like start of the series, because I think like the differences between the pilot episode and the rest of the series are quite noticeable. Mm. And um, yeah, and we'll go from there. So um, episode one, episode one, pilot, a.k.a. Everybody lies. by brian singer noted filmmaker mm. and television director obviously and suspected pedophile <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I, let's not talk about that aspect of his career i did like take a sharp intake of breath when i saw in your eyes that you were going to say something about that <laughs> and thinking i was going to get sued by brian singer <laughs> no 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 for, for claiming he is something which is only suspected i said right? suspected it's suspected. not liable if it's suspected. But, um, <laughs> well, the pilot episode, famously, you know, I like to call it the orange episode because it's orange for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why it's orange. I, I, I just, sus- like, I, I, it's either just 
the production company just asked for it to be in orange to show that it was the pilot episode and different to the rest of the episodes, or it's like a jaundice thing. <laughs> you think they're bleeding in some sort of diseases into the cinematography right from the off? I, I and jaundice is like they're in, that's the one. I honestly like because well, the, the, I mean, the show's starting out. No one really knows what it is. Uh. I think that's you know that's a. You know, it wasn't like House is perfectly conceived and it's like, oh, it's a perfect show. I think every pilot is a bit dodgy. So I think House is a good, like, I, I can perfectly see that somebody might have thought that was a good idea while filming it. Also, I mean, it's the orange and teal thing. I mean, that's a good trope of cinematography using mm. that kind of color scheme. But also it might be just to kind of lighten the mood a little bit, you know, bring in some more less natural light and make everyone look like exalted orange angels, <laughs> you know, or uh, mannequins uh, designed or made up in ode to the future president of the United States. But, you know, <laughs> I, I just don't know these days what Brian Singer was thinking. No. We'd have to ask him. So I say to talk more about the episode, it's a pretty, it's a pretty solid, simple case. It's uh Starts off with a primary school teacher. She goes in a school. She has a stroke. I think it's a stroke. No, it's aphasia. She so has aphasia. Kind of, she's just, but you know, garbling nonsense mm. like we are in this podcast. And, <laughs> yeah. um, so I think it's a really good case to begin with. Um, <laughs> are you going to write "Call the Nurse" on the side of the wall, and I'll have to read it out because I can't read. <laughs> Call yes. the nurse. Oh no. <laughs> but um. You know, uh, pretty simple. She collapses. They take her in. Yeah. I think. Um, it, I think it's a little bit more complex than that. At the beginning, she's walking through the corridor. She's talking to a colleague. There, she's talking or alluding to, in a kind of euphemistic terms, that she didn't go out last night and didn't meet <laughs> someone last night, and kind of flat out kind of lies mm. to a colleague, and while saying, "I wouldn't lie to you." And I mean, then, I mean, it does do the whole like. What people's, you know, when you're a kid and then you get older, you notice that the teachers definitely had mm. private lives. Mm. And it's that transition where she, you know, is talking about not banging this guy. Mm. And then, like, she walks in and she's like, hi, kids. But like, all that stuff. So I think that's, like, a mildly, that's a pretty, like, strong opening. Oh, oh, when I said generic, I just meant, like, you know, there are a lot of, like, more ridiculous house openings yeah which come in later and i think this one's a, like a nice simple one I, I, but i think it establishes the theme because she lies to a colleague basically or kind of mm. plausible deniability you know doesn't deny that it happened not plausible deniability but denies that it or doesn't kind of deny she just doesn't say anything it's like a lie of omission yeah and she goes into the um classroom and she kind of in euphemistic terms actually explains the truth to these children and that to me is a really interesting moment because if anything it's called everybody lies the episode house is preoccupied with lies it's mm. preoccupied with the truth most importantly and yeah. you can prove things by finding out the lies you can then obviously infer the truth well the truth starts in lies Exactly. Being his popular philosophical statement at the start. <laughs> yeah, to Foreman, who is arguably his protege. I think that starts the arc between Foreman and House and the tension between them as mm. Foreman tries to come to terms with the fact that he's like House in a lot of ways. Yeah. 
but there's there's um i mean let's you know let's go into the character slightly the 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 actual start of the show is just i think the way the characters are introduced is pretty i would say for a pilot understandable Mm. and i think when we look into the second episode i i feel like the second episode reboots the series as it probably Mm. should because the pilot might not be aired it was in the end i believe but um but yeah, I've, I, the the characters are definitely introduced in what could be described as a clumsy way. I think, um, like, Wilson starts off being like, I really care for this patient. And, you know, he's lying, which fits the theme again. They're not subtle about that, as yeah. you say. But, um, you know, Wilson, Wilson introduced saying, oh, I care about this person. House is like, well, I'm a cynical man. I don't believe anything you say. And then... <laughs> Throughout the episode, like then it then it starts off saying that you know he doesn't have any cases, he doesn't like people. Then it introduces the team, and throughout the show, we literally, like House, literally just says out loud what all the team's character traits are. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, like you know, Foreman is he's a he's a kid. Up, he's, yeah, he's from uh, the ghetto. Yeah. He, I don't know if he's from the ghetto. He's from a working like a lower class area, and he's worked his way up. He's very driven, mm. which like you know you say could like leads into that he wants to be great like house mm. i think chase traditionally chase is a bit of a weird one in this episode i think that chase later like there's a there's an ongoing thing where chase clearly likes house and idolizes house and wants to be like house mm. and he like makes actions like house so i would say that chase is more the protege of house but foreman definitely has like the drive to be like house it's a bit like they they sort of do it in subtle ways. I think Chase like likes House's attitude, whereas Foreman respects like House's like ability to be right. Yeah. Mm. Maybe refine the point a little bit and say, you know, Chase wants House to be his dad in a way, a father figure mm. to guide him and to be something to emulate. Foreman, I think the relationship between House and Foreman is more like it's com- a little bit competitive. They're always arguing and bitching and fighting with each other mm. over the truth mm. and it's more like um apprentice and master rather than father than, and son yeah and which it's... the father theme i mean it's brought up in here that his yeah. it's actually brought up that chase's dad made a call yeah. which chase is later suggested to be having a very strange relationship with his dad so yeah. i'm not sure if that was rewritten yeah um or his dad's just like you know, I'm just gonna call up and get me sent a job with House MD, the best, best bleeding diagnostician in the world. But um, and then Cameron, Cameron's a, I actually, Cameron's a very weird character. I I think, like Cameron is um. Cameron's uh, it it turns out was picked because she was pretty. Yeah. Which. And that ties into her later thing that she tries really hard, like she's clearly a very caring person, but she's also extremely driven because she doesn't want to be defined by that idea. Mm. But um, yeah, I think in um, certainly sometimes Cameron is the laziest written, like if anyone's going to be really irrational and make bad decisions, it's, it's usually Cameron, which I think is a bit of a shame because Cameron's got a pretty solid foundation. Mm. Um but I, I think I think with all the um, 
characters in the in the pilot maybe this is me talking uh just out of my ass yeah but i know that the original <laughs> it is yeah because <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of sherlock holmes imagery in the first episode like the woman is called the patient is called adler yeah like the lady that how scandal in scarlet isn't exactly it? Yeah. and then there's um that's correct oh, and then there's house that. which is a singular of holmes get it <laughs> and then there's Wilson, who's watson yeah. and um it's a bit of a strange one because I think the original idea was that the team was sort of going to be like Watson, mm. the, the, the archetype of Watson, like listening and documenting what Holmes says. And then I guess Wilson was kind of like that again. There seemed to be two Wilsons or two Watsons mm. within this like idea. I, I think it got a bit jumbled. But, um, but yeah, the, the interesting thing about it is that i find the team especially in the first like especially in the first episodes which makes sense because they're resident doctors like they don't really i i kind of like how they they do very slowly become more involved and more active and they actually come up with decisions but the first few episodes like the house are the team are quite like subdued they're quite passive in the same way that watson just sort of listens to house and at homes and then like carries out his um Mm. his like you know his his deductions the team in this are very they are extremely passive. I don't know if you noticed that. I just find that like Cameron, Foreman and Chase don't really make any decisions. Hmm. They kind of just listen to House and they go, okay, let's do that. Like a lot of the first episodes are sort of, especially the pilot, which we're talking about now, hmm. is like, you know, Chase and Cameron and Foreman are sort of just carrying out things. Yeah. Little point. Mm-hmm. We talked about the reasons House hide them. That doesn't get discussed until later on. It doesn't, no. Sorry, I was jumping ahead. Yeah, so I'm just going to be like the ref. I'm just going to give you a yellow card. <laughs> Don't do it again or you're out. <laughs> um, uh, or off. Um, but, but, but then again, the analogy with Sherlock Holmes, surely the three trainee physicians are more like in the Sherlock Holmes analogy, like the Baker Street Irregulars, his mm. little gang of street urchins that go out and get intelligence yeah. about a crime or a case that, Sherlock Holmes uses mm. Wilson is Watson or was intended to be in that analogy. Yeah. And obviously Holmes, I don't know how Cuddy works into it. I don't know. I can't remember much about the Sherlock Holmes. I, I think Cuddy is just like, I mean, the problem with, with <laughs> like sort of Sherlock Holmes doesn't have a master, which within the realm of, um, of like freelance detective, <laughs> is fine well I, there is that detective who he works with in Sherlock Holmes so I can't remember his name yeah but um I think within the realms of being a freelance detective you can sort of do whatever you want but because like you know House isn't a grounded medical show I don't know a lot about the like I don't know a lot about American medicine or medicine in general but I do know that most of the stuff that you that House does you cannot do mm. so it's not the most realistic show so I think Cuddy is just there to literally be a sort of like authority figure just to stop him being absolutely insane to the point where you'd be like this makes no sense but he does but he does that constantly with cuddy that's the thing he does like break broach it he will he push the boundaries as far as they can go mm. to see if cuddy's gonna not just to see if cuddy would snap but also obviously for ethical reasons he does push those boundaries pretty hard mm. um Interestingly, in the first episode, my favourite part of it, and probably the bit that got me hooked, was that opening shot where you see a person in a white coat and another person with a cane. Mm. 
you think, ah, so House is a lab coat wearing physician. Obviously, it's him. Yeah. And obviously, the camera swivels up and you see Wilson say, hey, that's not Hugh Laurie. I thought he was the star of the show. <laughs> and oh, he's nothing like the conventional doctor we want. Yeah. And I think that goes to the broader theme of the pilot. And I think most of the first season, or at least the early part of the first season, yeah. is that it churns out every single trope of a medical procedural every single one like mechanically yeah <laughs> and then turns them on their head and uses <clears throat> it to, and it asks us to te- accept all these tropes even though we think they're intuitively not true when they apply in the kind of house universe yeah um you know we think oh you know a house is a is just a genius diagnostician but mm. actually who solves all these cases that are very stereotypical but actually he's not as straight as he seems and i think in the pilot he does come across as very straight you don't really see the the druggy elements yet or the kind of psychoses and people it seems like they're especially like the illusions in the later episodes to him being you know associated with hookers and stuff like that but i but i think at that point he's joking yeah there is definitely as you say it's um because there is literally a t- first time he gets a hooker in the second series, yeah, which is obviously to be discussed then. But um, but yeah, I think I think as you say, the idea is that I think that David Shaw and the other writers obviously wanted a, you know, a much more. Well, they wanted it to be a character study of broken of a of you know just you know quite broken people, hmm. and I think that they, as you say, they do it in a way where they play with the tropes of the medical procedural not only to interest the audience but i think it is just a very simple way to have got it made Mm. like house is really well played by hugh laurie i think that they probably thought that house the character would take the the actual show into being run because you know he's a he's a good lead but after that i think they had a larger plan of how they were going to you know slowly do that thing where they reveal obviously oh he's good you know he's got a he's quite a restrained man he's got like He's got a, he's obviously got a leg problem. He's got a bit of a drug problem, but you know, he's a genius. He gets the job done. He's a bit broken, but he's fine. And then like in later episodes, you actually start to see that, oh, actually maybe this man is deeply unhappy (laughs) and is like, maybe the medication isn't such a good idea. And oh, actually maybe, you know, it's really actually depressing his situation. Um, So yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think that house, you know, the whole tipping, tipping procedural tropes on their heads in the way they do and especially um <laughs> yeah i didn't uh... yeah subverting the expectations yeah I that's guess. yeah exactly which the f- pilot doesn't it sort of plays with it but it doesn't completely do because i always find i've seen other people talk about this but house in the first episode is actually like like he's a bit sarcastic yeah but overall he's quite like a supportive mentor like he sort of clearly respects the team hmm. when they come to him he talks to them he actually at one point um like he does a he does a test sort of and lies them to like he sort of gets them coming up with ideas Hmm. but it's very much um like it's very restrained it's not in the sort of weird house way later on in the later series where he's just being you know completely conniving and insane i don't know like in the first like in the first um conversation he has with wilson you know wilson says you've got three overqualified doctors working for you getting bored Mm. and then it feels like he's just been obligated to put them into action on this case yeah 
And to me, that's a very strange power dynamic that you can just furlough like a bunch of highly trained physicians. Yeah, but it's because House end. doesn't want like House is it's suggested that he's worked at the hospital for five years at this point. Yeah. And it kind of sounds like he hasn't done any work for those five years and yeah. he's just now been forced to get a team. Mm. Like it's quite a weird setup. Like I, I don't think we ever go into the context of the previous five years. But it's also like he keeps talking about um how he's being forced to do clinic duty now and he's got like five years of clinic duty to catch up with. And, and five or six. I might have been six. six. But it's but it's Cuddy is suddenly very forceful, very um, you know, extre- extremely forceful to get him doing clinic hours. Hmm. And it's like, what you're just doing it now, after six years, and he's just got a team. It's it's sort of like the house before house is sort of a very lazy man. It's almost like this case like just kicks him into action, then he just starts doing cases. Uh. Like, it's almost like he's done nothing <laughs> for five years before. I, I don't know if it's, like, wit- written weirdly or it's sort of like... It didn't really get sewn up. I don't know. think that's one of the weaknesses of the pilot, I think, is there's a... And one of its strengths, obviously, to keep you enticed is that there are all these weird kind of consequences, like the one where <laughs> it seems like he's employed three highly... <laughs> you know, highly skilled, highly talented physicians who are really good in their field. Yeah. Gone to do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> on a fellowship that's supposed to be one of the toughest to get. Yeah. Like who would go for that job if all they would do is work for nothing and they all they think about in their lives is doing you know, working in the medical profession. They have nothing else. Because one of the things you get out the se- first season at least is these people don't have any lives. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're well they're all very folk like there's foreman is clearly like working his way out of a class system cameron's trying to prove herself mm. chase just sort of seems to just like medicine yeah. and is quite hard working <laughs> i think oh he's trying to emulate his father that that's a big thing about chase isn't yeah. it which then we were talking about he might be also trying to emulate house within that father we're skipping ahead obviously but... we are we are but um but yeah, so yeah, they're they're extremely determined people, which mm. yeah, as you say, like has just like had them sit around. Um one of my favourite parts of the episode also is um the relation the dialogues between Cuddy and House mm. <clears throat> which is uh which I found really interesting. Like in the elevator, I think, in the elevator scene, if I'm correct. Yeah. Please be correct. Um there's a lot of cross talk. It's kind of like MASH, mm. that kind of Altman-esque, kind of cross-talking each other, and yeah. it just feels like really well acted. Well, that, that was the audition like this, that got yeah. Hugh Laurie the, um, that's, that's, that sequence. Yeah. It's, it's like, um, well, I didn't plan on being in your office five minutes ago. Yeah. yeah. I, I think this, yeah, I think it was in the elevator, I think, the one where they were cross-talking. Yeah. Like Cuddy's um, talking over um, House, like I'm house doing is, to you right now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> How, and the other way, and you could definitely see that those two characters, the two actors, had like a rapport and mm. a kind of chemistry, and I think that's fantastic. I thought that was like a high point in it because it really sets up the kind of boss, um, you know, employee relationship that they have and the obvious tensions with it because Cuddy respects House so much because obviously she sees the value in him as a diagnostician. Mm. And his reputation, obviously, is a boon to the hospital. So, and that operates on a number of levels. So, like, you've got that kind of reputational level, which is it helps the hospital. And then you've got this thing, I think, that you see just a little bit in the pilot, which is this 
respect for house as a kind of physician um which gets explored you know in other episodes and then obviously there's the personal relationship beyond those kind of professional bands which you know is the big long game of the series yeah so i'm that's what i'm really looking forward to seeing is how that blossoms mm. from now till then mm, absolutely um, well i think cuddy's cuddy's actually an interesting i actually i think cuddy's a, a great character for that reason that she's sort of like she's that traditional like the police chief one who's like you do things by the book house <laughs> but she's um like there's clearly a, a a nice back and forth about it as you say it's cordial and like they've obviously had a history mm. and i think one of the things i really like about this show is that people smile mm. and laugh at what people say like when house makes a joke for the for, for the start it's actually um usually chase i've noticed who's smiling at him and that is brought up in a later episode mm that Chase is like kissing House's ass because he obviously, you know, really idolizes him. But, um, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, the, the, that's, that's the interesting thing is it's actually quite naturalistic. Like in a lot of procedurals like this and shows like this, like you do not have people laughing at each other. And as you say, like them talking over each other and laughing actually makes it feel like then it's quite naturalistic. Mm. It's like they're people. It's, mm. um, which I, I don't know if you've noticed, I just don't see that in a lot of like really overly produced shows. It always like, helps that if you've got some good acting chops there to do it. I mean, Hugh Laurie obviously is indisputed in cut. I think he just kickstarts everybody's engines mm. to kind of react in this kind of naturalistic, quite yeah. clever dialogue that's been written. Um, now, um, maybe I'm fanboying a little bit over Hugh Laurie in this, uh, because obviously the other cast members in this ensemble are obviously really, really good too. Yeah. Um, I do like Omar Epps. It's fantastic. He's great. Throughout the whole series. But in this episode, it's pretty good. Like I said, the master-apprentice relationship comes up where they're talking about the food in the canteen. They are. Which is a scene that just popped up. And I have to say, probably the most um, personally my most cringy scene in house <laughs> i think house like so this is <laughs> this is what i was talking about when i meant the um like sort of house telling like telling everyone why he picked them it's it's to give them character and to like talk about their backgrounds and make house seem like he's so calculating like these people aren't just the best they're best for you know, houses means. Mm. And I think Foreman's being like, I need a guy with street smarts. <laughs> and there's something really painful about that. I don't know. Yeah. I, I find it also weird, like, because houses like, I talk to your Janet, like your, your PE teacher mm. about like your, like your criminal record. It's like, but he didn't know he had a criminal record. So did he just talk to everyone's gym teachers? <laughs> To see if they had a criminal record. And then, and, and then like, it's just sort of like, I just find it a really like, like, I think the others are more subtle, but Foreman's reason for being picked is very like, clearly they wanted to, they wanted to set up a character of someone who, from working class and like, you know, has worked their way up. And it's done in a, I think it's done in a really heavy handed way. It's also got that horrible shot where Foreman puts the sandwich in his mouth, mm. clearly like showing like, oh, well, you know, you think the sandwich is inedible because, uh, for context, for anyone who doesn't remember this very specific part of the episode, 
Foreman's eating a sandwich. House like, don't eat that because the woman in the kitchen is ill. And then Foreman finishes it and eats it, showing him that, like, you know, I don't care about your deductions. You know, I do things my own way. Mm. And it's like a really horrible camera shot that sort of, like, follows him as he stares point blank in the camera and puts a sandwich in his mouth. And it's the most, like, cringy, like, oh, it's it's so packed with symbolism. <laughs> and it's like, I need a guy with street smarts. I, just, I just think it's such a painful scene. How many takes did that take? Him just staring into a camera, eating a sandwich really meaningfully? Yeah. Maybe with was... a lot of spite towards House yeah. to say, fuck you, I don't believe in your deductions, as you say. Maybe it's spite towards Brian Singer, who's sort of like <laughs> masturbating behind the camera. Oh, for fuck's sake, don't, don't let... No, no, I, I, I suspected, out. suspected. <laughs> But then again, I think the reasons that are supposedly given for why they're hired, maybe that's House lying. You know, he could easily lie about that. Why? Um, Well, to to his own ends, because then they feel like they're pliable to his theories and deductions. I'm here because of. But he's done the research. Yeah, he's not. He didn't just take a guess at Foreman having a criminal record. Like he did it. He's a very insanely thorough man. I mean, he will go through an entire pharmacy to find out the right pill. Spoiler alert. You're jumping ahead. <laughs> you jumping ahead. <laughs> so, you know, given that, mm. given that, I, you know, I don't put it past him that he's lying. He's just using it to, like, you know, see if their egos are in check or not. No, absolutely. <laughs> um, Just, just for a, a, a catch above what the episode actually i mean in the episode as i mean i know you sort of disagree but i think it's a i mean it's a really simple case it's because i think at this point like she literally just gets sicker and sicker and the team based on the evidence of what's wrong with her deduce what might be the case but it's not really the team it's house who's deducing it and the team then carry out the tests yeah I think that's, you know, that sort of sets up the power dynamic between House and the team and how they're quite naive and they're like sort of, you know, listening to everything House says. Mm. But, um, in I mean, we're obviously, we're not talking about the case a lot and it is literally just Adler collapse in a classroom. She gets sick. She gets sicker. House diagnoses maggots in the head, which leads up to a very nice scene where House has a conversation with her about life and death. Mm. And I think that sort of... You know, I mean, that's just a a scene that shows that House arguably cares or just wants the patient to not be an idiot. But um, it definitely, I I think that's actually a subtle way that they kind of bring out the fact that he's a atheist. Like she's sort of talking about how like dignified and how she's going to go to a better place and House is like, no, it's not dignified. This is all there is. Shut up. (laughs) And I think that's like a way that maybe they do it uncontroversially on network television because House is actually quite standout in the fact that he's an atheist character as well, which you don't get very often in an American network TV show, especially at the time. Like, when was this made? Like, 2004? Especially a protagonist. In a yeah, exactly. role. Yeah, like if it was like some wacky side character, they're like, oh, you and your crazy views. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, uh, he's not. He's the protagonist, as you say. And it's like, as you say, he's like in that opening shot with the nice coat and the fucking annoyed man with a walking stick. Like you don't expect your protagonist to be like that. And for the time house was relatively interesting in that sense. Yeah. Um, um, I think, well, the, the case is quite simple, but I think the message and the themes that it establishes are quite complex. That's my point is it uses that, patient establishing shot patient gets sick 
gets admitted to hospital, they try and figure out a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. They they try the diagnosis by affecting a treatment. The treatment doesn't seem to do anything. Things goes work go work get worse. They go in the MRI machine. There's always a complication in the MRI machine because it's a big, massive science machine, uh. and because it's full of <laughs> mysterious objects and no one really understands except for some crazy scientists. <laughs> Something crazy happens in the MRI machine. Yeah. Second complication, they treat her again. Epiphany trope. They find the treatment. They have to mm. convince her of the treatment that is right, even though they've got it wrong several times. Yeah. Voila, she's she's cured once she's yeah. convinced. But how it goes about getting from those different bits, those A to B to C mm. to D to E, um, that's the interesting bit. It's like the the cartilage between the joints of the plot. Yeah, and it's really nice how they fill that out. Oh, it's extremely well plotted. Mm. I wasn't. Yeah, no, that that's that's fair. I was. I think because I've seen so many episodes of House done extremely well and the way that they sort of take medical jargon and turn it into a pretty understandable format for the audience to be like i know what's wrong with the head but they do those like crazy <laughs> 3d visualizations about you need, you need, you need, I, I think there's like four something out of, of them. like star wars yeah. where you're delving in and like han solo's about you know han solo's going in the millennium falcon this episode definitely like has the most of them yeah. Like they had just leftover budget and they were like, what can we do? It's like anytime anyone mentions anything about the inside of the body, I want CGI, <laughs> which has aged horribly. Let's um, Aging. let's let's be honest. I think. Um, but no, you, you, you're right. It is. It's plotted very well. And the interesting thing about it is it like that formula that you say, like it's a pretty it's such a tight formula mm. that when we were talking earlier about that, people criticize House for having such a tight formula, like. That's the formula. Like, I don't think that the the pilot sets up the characters very well because I think it sort of does it in a pretty heavy-handed way where House is, like, literally telling them, like, this is why I hired you. This is the character trope you are. And, like, which is fair and, like... Uh, but but the thing the thing that it does really do well is it gets that formula right because that formula never changes, mm. like, at all well, throughout the I entire mean, there show. Are, there are certain episodes where it does but we won't go into those yeah but but for the most part like though but those are special episodes when you go like i mean even when house is like you know on the road or doing something Mm. that formula is still there yeah it's like just somebody else has the epiphany (laughs) somebody (laughs) always has to have an epiphany (laughs) yeah and it's what happens in between it's the ways and the methods he uses to get from jump through the hoops to get to the end of the road end of the story Mm. which are really interesting and how he has to convince people and he has to kind of cajole people and he has to manipulate people (laughs) into getting stuff done and then on top of that you've got these little side skits it's like um you know when they have the commercial break in seinfeld and then they come back Mm. and there's like a little stand-up bit like hey what's the deal with q-tips something (laughs) like that (laughs) those clinic bits are like that well, the clinic skits, like, is another... Because the, the episode, you know, aside from introducing characters and Adler sitting in a bed going, oh, I'm going to die. <laughs> like, yeah, the, the clinic... I mean, the clinic skits are pretty damn good. Mm. Like, I don't think the clinic skits are ever bad. And for, like, eight seasons of, 
oh what funny thing can happen in the clinic next that's pretty good yeah like there are there are um how many people are there in the first episode there's there's the orange guy obviously who, who as you said like you couldn't tell he was orange because the show's orange <laughs> so it just looks like a man sitting around i thought like a heavily tanned man so when i was looking at it from my ipad maybe my eyes are a little bit more you know worn out from years of television watching or something i was looking it's like what is actually wrong with him? Did he just go to like Cuba? What? Why is House talking about his skin so much? Or the affair? Well, he doesn't get to it until like the punchline. Yeah. But um, I was just like, this is really bizarre. And then yeah. obviously it dawned on me with the orange tints. Like, ah, he w- he didn't just go on a nice holiday and was feeling a bit ill. He actually has orange <laughs> skin. It's like great. Because then there's then there's the kid with asthma. Yeah. Which is a, a pretty a pretty good. I think, like, a pretty simple character moment of House telling someone they're stupid for ignoring medical advice. Pretty, like, good characterization, I think. And then the last one is um, that man who comes in, like, fibromyalgia. He says he's got fibromyalgia. He's, he self-diagnosed himself. House takes the mickey out of people self-diagnosing themselves because he's like, that's ridiculous. Which I'm sure is, like, the team, the, like, the writing team being like, oh, what funny doctor tropes can we take the piss out of? And it's like, oh, well, people self-diagnose all the time because mm. Google had just become a big thing. And it's like, ooh. WebMD, man. Exactly. So, um, and then the third, and then and then that one, he gives the guy fake medication in, uh, he gives him, um, uh, or he gives him uh, just, I, th- I don't know what Sweets. they are, they're just mints or something. Mints, uh, a placebo yeah. effect he was trying to affect. Yeah. Which, he also um, skimmed some of that Vicodin. He does, of he course. does. But, um, Those kind of shady ethical behaviour there. Yeah, I guess so. So the so for House, like even though we like say that House is a pretty reserved guy in the first episode, um, you know, he lies to people, he takes the piss out of people, he <laughs> he you know, he gives people false medication, which I'm pretty sure can get you struck off. And um yeah, but then on top of that, we then have the big dramatic scene where the woman wants to die, which I think is still like I think it's still one of the best scenes in House. Really? Which is um yeah, I think it's one of I think it's one of those memorable scenes. Yeah. Which for the fact it's in the pilot. That's pretty impressive for it from that view. Yeah. I always saw it as oh, it's kind of affecting the trope of the, you know, the like all patients do if they're in this difficult situation. Mm. It's like you've treated me with all this stuff. You failed at every step. Now you're telling me this is the step that's going to cure me. Yeah. What what reasons do I have to trust you? But that but that's the point. Is that yeah. um, house turns up at this step? Yeah. Like because there's this running thing, and I, I think they kind they kind of drop it in later episodes yeah. that house like you know he doesn't need to see the person. He needs the facts. Mm. Like he's such a rational guy. He's such a clever rational doctor that he just needs the facts. Like he doesn't like the human side of the patient. Like he just needs. That's what you, house is about. Just going into some like house criticism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. That was that was like the cynic in me going, "Oh, actually, like there's <laughs> a lot of bullshit." But um, because I I don't know, like there's there's so many ideas in the first episode where they try and be like, "Let's make house never visit the patient," and they until it's a special one, and until they it's a special, one. and they kind of drop that um later on, which um. Maybe it's not actually a bad idea. Maybe because every, that woman keeps saying, "Is that house? Are you Doctor House? Where's Doctor House?" <laughs> like, um, but um, she um, but a house in this scene, like this, is the big moment where he turns up and he's like, you know, he doesn't really trust anyone to make this argument. 
because you need a you know he he sort of cuts through it he stops like talking about the patient's like values and morals and he's like you don't want to die it's not very nice i'm a doctor i've seen it it sucks well he says you can't die with dignity yeah you can only live with dignity yeah which is a nice a nice line like you know not to bring too many like you know personal feelings in but i would i would say that's a pretty you know mm. it, you know if you if you've seen people uh you know <laughs> pop off it's not the it's not the greatest show on earth jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> well thanks for that uh, little tidbit yeah. um no d- don't die guys yeah don't die guys <laughs> i will try not to good at least at least until we finish this yeah how long is that gonna take how many hundreds of episodes are there I think it's like 178. Well, um, well we, we whack out three per episode. 177 or as close. Fair enough. That's pretty good. That's... Maybe you're like House. Maybe oh, my you're... God. What? But out by one. <laughs> every time. So, <laughs> exactly. Oh, give them, a, like, give them yeah. 10 millimeter, milliliters of, uh, you know, penicillin. And it's just too much and they're dead. Well, I'll be like, I'll be like, I only want to do 176 episodes and you'll have to come and convince me like, there's nothing, there's no dignity in not finishing a house podcast six years after the fact. There's only dignity in completion. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll just break. Um, so yeah, as you, as you say with the, um, with the ending, it's a nice sappy ending. Oh, All yeah. the children run in, they go, oh, the teacher. And also, I, I mean, what's interesting is Chase provides the idea for solving the case, ultimately. He does. With the x-ray. Yeah. Which is an... Because in- as a, you know, th- rendering my point earlier that the that the team don't do much, mm. like Chase does step up, mm. which um, I still think is Chase is like, wants to, you know, they're trying to establish that Chase wants to be like House. He's coming up with the, you know, the finishing move. Like the out of the out of the um, because they often talk about how, how how in the earlier episodes, especially this one, they're like House thinks outside the box, and I think Chase comes with that outside the box thing, being like he wants to be like House, the guy who comes up with those great ideas. Mm. Whereas for the moment, Foreman's playing it very straight, like Foreman's trying to be like, I'm not going to be a puppet. Um, yeah. Cameron, I don't think is very well. You, I don't. I think you've got a like a thing against Cameron. I, know. I think Cameron's like the scrappy one. She's willing to take risks. Something not in this episode. I don't know, but no, I know. I, I in overall, archetype. overall, Cameron, I think is really good. I think actually Cameron goes through some very like she's clearly an extremely damaged person from what you from what you see later on, and I think she like you know she goes through a lot of stuff in that, and I think the actress uh, who I can't remember her name. But she's absolutely fantastic. But just in the pilot, at least, I think until that moment where Cameron's like told, like, oh, I only hired you because you're pretty. And then from there, like sort of she comes out of her shell and she's like, well, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm more than that. I do think Cameron is a pretty. I, th- I think Cameron is a bit of a wet blanket, which I know is maybe that's her character arc. Like, you know, her, she is a bit of a wet blanket and she comes out of her shell. That might be it. But I do think that Cameron out of the team is the weakest one in this episode, which I think okay. is a shame because, um, I mean, Cameron in the later episodes is absolutely fantastic. I just think that Cameron maybe is a hard character to establish. Okay. Um, which, you know, I mean, you can establish Foreman by having him angrily eat a sandwich. <laughs> What? <laughs> but, you know, if House says, 
you you should I don't know why my American accent is so terrible. But you know, House is like, oh, you shouldn't eat that sandwich. And Foreman's like, I'm gonna eat this sandwich. Fuck you, I'm gonna yeah, yeah. eat this. Sandwich. Like you can sum up Foreman in like you know a simple action like that. But Cameron's like a bit more. Like Cameron's someone who's like, I tried really hard at school, and you know, I care for all the patients, and she sort of has to go from there. And it's quite hard to establish that in a in an episode without the character feeling like a wet blanket, nothing, I don't think which she so. starts off as. I think she come. She's always in the office. She's always a little bit confrontational. Mm. There's a bit of that romantic edge. She obviously develops some sort of feelings. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> she develops more than feelings. <laughs> I'm just going to keep it on the down. No, that's fair. No, um, you want to keep it chronological. That's fine. But, but but she's also, while she's being a bit scrappy, she overreaches a little bit mm. and she gets burned by House's searing whip and kind of obvious, intense set of emotions that House possesses. Mm. And then she's always like kind of goes back a bit mouse-like, mm. but she's always coming back in. Yeah. Looking for a new angle. I just think it takes a few episodes to establish that. Yeah. I thought I got I thought I got some of it in in the first episode, but maybe maybe I'm reading too far ahead and maybe projecting that back onto the pilot. I think you are. Yeah. <laughs> and, and at the moment, <laughs> looking at one of the kind of fun, later scenes where Cuddy's speaking with the Orange Man, who orange still tip. looks as orange. Yeah, even though he's been cured, it's <laughs> yeah, he, remarkable. He, he's still orange. <laughs> <laughs> and complaining and you get that kind of like you said that police chief vibe she has to make sure the the patron or the in this case like a the patient is like the commissioner mm. in a way and she's got to like justify within a kind of like hospital you know, he's a good kid you know he's doing the best <laughs> that he can you know yeah house is a good kid but i'm she's... not saying like general i need to be more specific on that no fair enough but um yeah she's i mean yeah she's she's a really good you know, she's extremely charming and, um, you know, just a really well-acted character. But I always I think, think she... yeah, but I think with Cuddy, as you could see, she kind of tires of having to kind of kiss everybody's ass. Mm. Like, it's like, and all these patrons and all these people that donate money. Mm. And he, she just wants to get into the medicine. Yeah. And get into the science and the administration of the hospital. Well, that, that's a big thing that comes up later, which we'll yeah. discuss. But there is a, an idea that Cuddy might want, not want to really be the administrator she's mm. actually a doctor and house takes the piss out of her for you know being a doctor who isn't really a doctor and i think yeah. and then uh, you know another character namely vogler pops in later oh, spoiler alert yeah but he uh he like sort of is the boss of cuddy and i think like he's a much more generic I'm the boss. I'm going to be really tough on everyone, like hard balls, break some balls, all that stuff. Which, um, but uh, but yeah, which is a less interesting character. <laughs> but for, but for now, I think Cuddy like has that really good, like charming restraint, which really is what the pilot episode needs. I just want to go back. Oh, we're also just to let you know, we're also watching the episode. And talking about it at the same time as we're allowing it on mute to see some of the visuals. And I just saw like an insane um, <laughs> crash zoom into the guy with the fibromyalgia thing. And it's just ri ridiculously intense. Yeah. Those those camera shots, like four minute in sandwich, crash zoom on fibromyalgia guy through the window. This, this is when the guy <laughs> comes back for more sugar pills, the guy we've mentioned in the yeah. clinic. That... N those never happen again like i know 
like from from you know episode one sets out the formula but it does not do the visual style like no one continues with brian singer's established visual style the the, the later seasons are much more restrained and here professionally shot oh my god here we go Oh, <laughs> what a tonally incoherent shot to do and it's great because he's really well lit under orange hue like you can barely even see the man it's like it's literally like a crash zoom into the eyes of god it like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense and then and he's a lovely really little looking person he's, he's a got, crazy looking he's man. got like he's got like he looks a bit like sam hyde from <laughs> Extreme. Just... and then Lovely zoom out from Princeton Plainsboro. And it does see... we see about 5,000 times during the well, episodes. of course. Establishing shots are establishing shots. Absolutely. This is a disestablishing shot, I guess. Hmm. But I don't even, if that's, don't even know if that's the correct technical term, but I'm using it. Well, it's an establishing shot into also the world the... of house, <laughs> which is what the pilot is. Uh, <laughs> um, and also, the interesting thing about the conclusion of that episode is it uses a choral version of or a choir version of you can't always get what you want mm. which has now got contemporary relevance because it's now used in almost all of donald trump's rallies <laughs> is it <laughs> so, really yeah it is um uh being an avid fan of watching you know the most intense performance art ever known to man <laughs> Um, that is something I can confirm. Hmm. Well, you can't always get what you want. Is uh, becomes a bit of a, th- I mean, it's a bit of a theme in the series. It comes up a lot of times. It's definitely like an iconic. I don't really, I didn't really remember it, but it seems to come up enough in the show that clearly someone thinks it's iconic. Like people often tie that song to the show. Yeah, David so. Shaw really thought that one out. He he definitely did because it turns up a lot and we'll 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 you know we'll point it out as we see it in the you know coming years that it takes to finish this podcast. But um yeah, so overall I think pretty solid pilot. I think um like for what a pilot is. Uh, uh, in terms of house episodes, I think it's you know, aside from a, a few really bad ones which um I mean as we we get to our worst house episodes maybe maybe when we get to it we can point out our favorite or worst house episodes and do some top 10s but um for now you know I would say probably one of the worst in the whole like show mm. like across all the series I just think it's you know it's a, it's a pilot yeah it's what it is it's a bit weird it's got you know that how saying the phrase street smarts <laughs> without a shred of irony and you know it's it's pretty simple and i think you know some characters have done well i think cuddy's established well like you know foreman's established fine i think wilson and cameron are a bit flat they don't really come out of their shells for a few episodes they sort of need a bit more background a bit more like a bit more background to their motives and why they're interesting because they just come across as like goody two-shoes people yeah i mean they do come across as a bit try hardy sometimes Um, but my review of the episode mm. is a little bit different, which Ooh. I think is a good thing. Obviously, you want disagreements in a podcast. Absolutely. Otherwise, we'll just be, you know, at the end of it, licking out each other's asses. That's true. And you, that's all you'll hear. Just. <laughs> um, uh, my assessment is that it has like, it has the simple, it sets up the simple narrative structure of what 
house is going to be, which is we're going to take the procedure, medical tr procedural genre and we're going to use that structure. Um, it uses that kind of very straightforward A, B, C, D, E mm. you know, situation, diagnosis, interest is established. They come up with course of action, doesn't work, gets worse. They come up with another more extreme course of action. It may or may not work, but it seems to get worse and it might be a red herring. Then there's another course of action that's the one they want. Mm. And I think on top of that straightforward structure, what it does is it has weaved into it profound these questions of profound skepticism, not only on the patient's side, but also on the doctor's side. So it kind of sets up a duality. So on one side, you've got the physicians who are kind of really racking their brains about a problem. You've got the arch like example of that, which is house who's looking for the truth wherever it may be at any cost. Mm -hmm. And what matters to him is getting it right. Patient on the other hand is just preoccupied with getting better. Yeah. And is get or at least getting to a resolution where they're satisfied that nothing can be else needs to be done or can be done. Mm -hmm. And basically it's a fight between those two things in the pilot, which I find really interesting. Yeah. And I think that's the promise of the show thematically. And the I medicine versus the humanity. Well, I think, yeah, the practitioner versus the patient. Or, yeah. Yeah, maybe science or the insatiable thirst for truth mm. that House has versus the insatiable thirst for wellness, or at <laughs> least like the ability to live. Mm. What? Whatever that means, if that means they want to die mm. and their own thinking is that if they can live as human beings if they can die which is a ridiculously deep philosophical <laughs> question which house destroys <laughs> by saying there's no um dying with dignity there's only living with dignity yeah. um so that i think the themes that david shaw is able to kind of superimpose on that really straightforward structure gives it the promise it needs the characters i think we disagree on I, cameron i think I, I think um, I think she's a scrappy go-getter, even uh, from the pilot. You don't think so? Fair enough. No, that's fair. Um, um, but I think Wilson is completely garbage in the first <laughs> episode. I really do. I, I think like Wilson is. I mean, I could say Wilson's one of my favorite characters. Like they're all great. Yeah. Not the later Doctors, maybe. Some of them are a bit lazy. I think they get a bit lazier. There is nothing wrong with Taub. Taub is no, Taub, Taub's great. I'm not talking about Taub. I'm talking about like, do you remember the nervous one? And see, oh no, you haven't watched season eight. <laughs> season eight is where it's at. Season eight is where it gets lazy. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I don't know because I haven't seen season eight in ages. I'm I'm interested. Oh. Is it as lazy as I remember? But the um, but I I just think like, yeah, thematically, completely agree. I I do think it sets up the. You know, I, I would see it as like humanity versus reason or like the medicine versus the human side. I think that's why she works with kids, why Adler works with kids. I think seeing her surrounded by kids going, yay, and then House like walking in a cane, taking some drugs, going, boo, I'm right. Having watched, like the, most... <laughs> having watched the future episodes, I, I nearly, I just wanted to kind of vomit when I saw that ending where it's like Cameron said, oh, I've got a little surprise for you. Yeah. Oh, and it's like 16 kids swamp into a medical yeah. ward. But, but it's like, why? Was it just to please the executive? It must be to please an executive because I mean, the house is never, the, the, the house, the show is, the show <laughs> is never like that again. 
Yeah. Yeah. So moving on to episode two, paternity. Hi. And um, well, let's start with the synopsis. A teenage boy is struck on the head in a lacrosse game and is found to have hallucinations and night terrors that are not due to concussion. I assume you didn't write that yourself. No, I didn't. It was from Wikipedia, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, that's a, that's sort of basically what it's about, but more stuff happens. Yeah. Um, so this is obviously after the pilot. So, But I would consider this to be a bit of a soft reboot of the pilot, Yeah. personally. Um, I will go into that if you want me to. It's, well, for well, I mean, first, do you agree? Do you disagree? For starters, it hasn't got that orange taint. It doesn't. Well, it actually has normal colours, <laughs> which is very sweet. But um, yeah, so it, it starts off with a kid getting hit on the head. Fantastic. <laughs> Great opening. The one um, interesting point about this episode is how it starts with... Um, now, it does it does a few things, and I think this is my overarching, like, why this is a soft reboot and why it's better than the pilot conspiracy. So I think it's important to note that the um, the patient in this is actually, yet again, Wilson comes up to house and says, oh, you've got three qualified doctors and they're really bored and they're not doing anything. And we then see that the doctors are really bored and they're not doing anything, <laughs> which is pretty much exactly the same situation that we had in the pilot. But, um, but what then happens is that... Um, the uh, patient, Ian, and his parents come in and they're like, we've got an appointment with Dr. House. And it then turns out that um, Dr. House uh, hasn't actually invited them to see him, but instead Cameron, who's bored in the office, received a letter from them. And because she really cared deeply about her patients, wrote them back, forging House's signature. Now, I think immediately that sets out Cameron to be a caring person who is also like a bit wily and like is trying to prove herself. That would be my counterexample about why the intro, the pilot to house isn't a very good version of Cameron. She like is very quiet, very mousy. And then he goes, oh, you're pretty. And she's like, oh no, I'm going to prove myself. So it kind of like flows on from the sequel, from the pilot into the second episode. But at the same time, I think the second episode also does a really good job in just establishing Cameron immediately as the character traits that it kind of wanted to do in the pilot, but it does it actually better by showing like it's her initiative, which brings the patient to them. Okay. And that would be amazing. And even like the second episode kind of starts the same as well. Like Wilson is sitting in a room with house saying you need to take on a case, but Wilson isn't like, you know, Wilson isn't lying to house or like even involved really. He's just like, Hey man, I'm your friend. You should sort of, do some work and it's actually the team who take a bit more initiative yeah um i think the other thing is that they haven't really found a use for wilson yet in the mm. the series and they kind of still use him with a kind of watson hey i've there's a case kind of <laughs> yes, somewhere yes. um <laughs> i'm i'm nudging you towards this case yeah. that might be happening but i have no clue about you just have bored employees but okay <laughs> So thanks. And I think, you know, David Shaw hasn't figured out mm. really where Wilson is placed in the house universe, I guess. Well, he becomes much more effective when house's um, uh, ha- ha- habits 
become a bit more destructive. And then I think he becomes like the way the team is like the medical, you know, buffer for House to bounce off. Then Wilson becomes more of the ethical one. And he kind of is in a bit in in this in a sense in the first because in the first instance, because he's like, it's unethical for you to have three doctors who are bored. I'm questioning your values, House, but it's pretty boring. But like when House is like, you know, sort of getting drunk, calling him up at night, like just like taking a shit ton of Vicodin and really drug addicted. Then when Wilson goes, hey, man, maybe you shouldn't uh, be such a drug addict. You should really sort your life out. Like that's more of a an interesting rebuff than just him sort of moaning at house to do to some work because that's kind of what cuddy's job is like wilson seems to moan at house to do cases cuddy moans at house to do clinic work and then the team sort of moan at house to get the right diagnosis the strange thing about wilson is is you don't know what his leverage is on house Mm. to do that said you're ethically bad and he's like oh okay yeah and there's no real leverage yet there's no real relationship. Yeah, which we find out the leverage is that he's his only friend. But as you say, we don't know that yet. Yeah. It's just it's just a bloke. It's just a man who kind of pesters us like, hey, House, why are you in this uh, wait- examination room <laughs> uh, doing nothing? Get mm. to work. So if that was happening to me, I'd say, it's none of your goddamn business. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sit here and suck this lollipop and read this magazine. Fuck you. <laughs> if you want to get me fired, go to management. (laughs) So there's no real authority that's established. Um, We also get in this second episode a a better insight into uh, House's, what makes House take a case. Yeah, I was actually going to say that, but you're right, sorry, go on. So, because there's the twitching that happens Mm. and that's that one weird, small well, not a small detail, but this one symptom, whereas all the other mm. symptoms seem kind of really serious, but he treats them as if they're not. But then this one thing, he's just like, I'm hooked. Well, that actually happens twice. Yeah. He hears about the night terrors. He's like, that's fascinating. He then resolves that, yeah. saying, oh, he got concussed. That's why the night terrors. Then he walks off and then he sees the twitch again. Mm. And he's like, oh, that's actually interesting. So it establishes it twice, but yeah, it's an, cause it actually like, that's how most cases start is just house is interested in something mm. instead of Wilson lying to him. I think they were trying for the whole Wilson is like his moral better man. He's like, you should do some medicine cause you're a doctor. But in this one, this is actually like the kind of Rubik's cube. Oh, I need to solve a puzzle house. Yeah. And that kind of com- obsessive behavior. Yeah. Um, kicks in Mm. and i think that adds an interesting dimension to the character that um you don't see in the pilot it's just cantankerous man (laughs) solves problem with the teacher because that one makes it seem like he doesn't want to work but whereas house does want to work he just wants to work when it interests him you just want to make a point yeah Yeah, i savagely reduced the pilot's plot (laughs) i could have equally have done the same for this episode as well yeah which makes the point that I made completely invalid. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, this is, I'd say in the yeah in the grand scheme of things, this is a pretty, like, solid episode of House. This is fine. It's down the line. I think that it's like a pi- It's like a slightly better version of the pilot. Yeah. It is. Um, I wouldn't say the medical case is any more complicated. But, you um, say that, but in this one, there are like there are seven distinct stages. 
of the diagnosis. So it is a little bit more complex than the teacher one where it was really a series of complications. Yeah. This one has a few more um, diagnostic gears to the mechanism, I guess. That is the story. Um, consulting my information database, there's seven. Um, you know, he, he goes through the sexual abuse element, which obviously plays on the obviously very traumatic trope of sports people and sexual abuse um but also sexual abuse between parent of parents on children as well which is even more worse but he does it in that um, house way <laughs> <laughs> by the way j- just to confirm to everyone gaz isn't some sort of like savant genius and i'm some moron like he has a laptop and i don't that's not true <laughs> <laughs> This is all, you know, you yeah. can say I'm stating rote facts, yeah. but I'm weaving them into a lovely, delicious that, narrative you know That's of true. analysis. And I could have brought a laptop in here as well. You could have, and you didn't. I didn't. You brought brought a knife so, to a gunfight. What do you expect? That's true. I tried to belittle you, and I shouldn't have. Continue. Continue reading from <laughs> the Wikipedia. And you continuing, continue uh, deciphering your handwriting in low-light conditions. Yeah, I have no idea what I've <laughs> written here. But... <laughs> um, then you've got the concussion stage, which was the bit that kind of got me interested. Then there was the more dramatic degenerative state disease with multiple... What was it? Uh, MS? Yeah, they suspected multiple, MS. And then hydrocephalus which i think is water in the brain i think just using basic word this is this is why i said we shouldn't focus on the medicine aspect (laughs) no the degenerative disease the hydrocephalus and then it's the multiple sclerosis yeah then it's neurosyphilis they just go way out into a sexually transmitted disease Mm -hmm. and then it goes into the subacute sclerosing panencephalitis which is basically he got measles and he went to the brain. Yeah. Um, but do you know why they come up with neurosyphilis? Um, please tell me. Well, as you might remember, that's actually the team that comes up with that. Yes, it is. Which is, which is more of a point that the team are much more active in these, in these episodes. Mm-hmm. Like they're not quite the, you know, quick fire team, but like there's a, there's a level of naivety here. That's pretty nice. They're a naive team, but they they very much still have ideas and they have something to offer. And I think that comes across more here. Like neurosyphilis is Cameron's idea. Like she steps up and she says, I have an idea. Yeah, but she's wrong. She is wrong. But that's but that's like House even says that like very early on that he prefers people that come up with ideas. Like when they're looking at his brain scan, um, he's he's asking them to look for things and Chase makes something up completely. Mm. And House is like. He made something up. It was complete rubbish, but at least he tried. And then Chase actually does get the answer right by accident, which House respects more because, yet again, Chase is coming up with ideas. Yeah. But this is this is another one of my points about why I think this this soft reboot does it better and why I actually wish this had just been the pilot is <laughs> because um Chase is um Chase when when they're doing that uh, when they're first looking at the brain scan. Chase is the one who's coming up with the ideas who he's trying to think outside the box. And I think that better emulates Chase's idea that he wants to be like House. He wants to emulate House in that sense. Like, and I think that in the same way that like then Cameron like forging that document in order to get the people in because she cares and is trying to prove herself. 
And then Foreman is obviously like not having any part of the games, like he actively questions House. I think that sort of sets up their characters much better than the way the pilot does. Yeah. And the team are just so much more active in the in the second episode. Like, they're not just the astounded, like, oh my god, it's House and I'm a Watson split into three parts. <laughs> like, they're much more active. Yeah. Um, they're more like... Um individuals right yeah they feel yeah. more like characters yeah there's there's even bits where um as you might have noticed there's there's even bits where um chase and foreman are actually with each other by themselves talking about yes. cameron which is an interesting thing actually cameron's quite separate from the group which continues for a few episodes i've noticed that's not strictly true because in the same this episode as well foreman and cameron have a discussion because Foreman comes in and kind of broaches the subject that when Cameron made those remarks about I'm going for did no that's serious. that's episode three Jesus Christ they all kind of meld mm. into one I, I apologize scratch that mm. so like Cameron and um like Chase and, and Foreman have a lot more scenes together yeah of them yeah. like chatting it sort of feels like Cameron's a bit separate from the group which I mean, in a way, feels a bit disingenuous to leave Cameron out like that. But also, it's a bit maybe maybe it's maybe it's realistic. Maybe you know, Chase and Foreman because they're just blokes. They're lads. <laughs> they're lads. You know, they 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 would you know, sit around and talk about the attractive woman that they've seen in the office. Yeah, hmm. and I think maybe that brings in a weird you know a kind of power dynamic that maybe future episodes david shaw's gonna explore yeah which because they definitely... there is definitely a gendered power dynamic there at first yeah um i mean you can even see that with the way that um like house makes casual sexual remarks to cuddy who is in charge yeah like there's definitely like a weird gender power play going on i, I don't i wouldn't want to say too much on it because i don't know what david shaw actually wanted but there's it's definitely there but again, I think he's trying to turn it on his head a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. maybe he's trying to. I don't know if he really su- mm. actually successfully does that mm. in this kind of in these first two episodes of the new fresh <laughs> reboot that you call it. So, in your timeline, this is episode one. From my end, this this is episode <laughs> one. The pilot is Which should is, not exist. Okay, <laughs> it's um, an aberration. Yeah, <laughs> but um, uh, interestingly. First client, first clinic scene. You got to have your clinic skits. Yeah. This one is a very satirical one. It's about anti-vaxxers. It's got a thing or two to say about anti-vaxxers, but at the same time, it also establishes a fact and gives the audience knowledge for later. Yeah. Which is that after six months, mothers should get their kids vaccinated because the breast milk stops supplying baby with with antibodies. With antibodies. Which is quite, you know, I think it does two things and one it's actually quite a cleverly written scene and it also establishes something for later um you also get um a glimpse into uh uh house's hard-edged kind of rationalist (laughs) very kind of especially with the toys and that like example that he uses a very kind of market it's like you know you know your anti-vax thing is as much a market-based like market as it is the non-anti-vax products so yeah. don't kid yourself that you're being more real 
about this or more woke as we say these days <laughs> well he's um, also um i also think like that scene because he's talking about her baby dying yeah and but in the earlier scene he's also talking about like he's also says to the parents directly like oh have you abused your son like this is definitely a much less restrained house yeah houses like before like there was literally like oh like adler in the first episode is like oh where's dr house who's dr house are you dr house she doesn't know dr house is like he just sort of stays away he's quite a restrained man in this one he's like talking to the patient he's like i actively hate you i wish i wasn't here but i have to talk to you and then saying did you abuse your son (laughs) like it's very it's much more in your face which um you know i i think in later episodes sometimes house is a bit too kooky and off the wall and maybe a bit too extreme but like for these early episodes i think like they really like second episode they really start nailing like a really good balance on 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 a house and like the second episode is actually a funny episode like like i would consider house like a pretty funny comedy like each episode has a pretty it's got a lot of like good good back and forth it's got a lot of funny like i mean literally the clinic scenes are just sketches so i think like this scene actually establishes house as a quite a funny character because i don't think he's particularly funny in the first episode he and also structurally speaking you think oh the skits are kind of independent then david Shaw goes ah wait a minute i'm coming in with a exactly like a southpaw uppercut to wake you out of your kind of um slumber i mm. guess thinking assuming that the skip wasn't really gonna have anything to do with the plot he comes in with a rope-a-dope to use another boxing analogy pretty labored um <laughs> <laughs> and basically um i think that's in good too mm. because it's just shown with even within the tight structure he's given he can just little play with the elements a little bit and just make people um have to work a little harder only a little bit harder to get the plot but yeah you also get this idea of um house is distant but not distant if you get what i mean um the character does get in and instead of being like the oh whose house where's house are you house type thing they go with house just comes in says something that seems completely incoherent (laughs) (laughs) are you sexually abusing your children goodbye yeah and then leave basically leaves (laughs) <laughs> after just ask, interrogating them over this, what seems like a seemingly irrelevant point, and then recedes back. And then you do get it in, later in this episode, towards the end, where the parents come up to him and confront him yeah, about and he's... it. And it's because of his distance. So in that scene, he's sitting down at the bench with Wilson, having uh, some dinner. Some coffee. Coffee, is it? Shit. (laughs) He's having some coffee with Wilson. Yeah. Well, when the the parents come up to him, they're like, oh, you don't, you're not looking after us. And he like rattles off numbers. But at the same time, like, it's not like he's, it's not like he's uh, some ethereal beast who's never stepped in the room. Like the point is, he knows all the numbers. He knows all the information. He just doesn't want to interact with the patient, but he still met the patient. Mm. Like, I just don't think it's as like really heavy handed. I'm glad that they dropped that because mm. I, I think that's a much better balance. They have like house is interested in the puzzle, not the patient. He's not like completely mental. Like he can still turn up to the patient's room and talk to them. But, um, cause they actually like, they, they do that in, in the scene where there's a scene where 
the um, the patient goes missing from his bed because yeah. he's hallucinating. Which, because he's hallucinating so vividly, makes them realise that it's not a degenerative disorder and therefore it's not a mess, which is one of the things that pushes them onto the next puzzle piece. But, um, yeah, in this one, like, House is being cooled constantly. He can't, like, he he wants to ignore the phone. You know, he's a fundamentally quite lazy man who doesn't really want to do any work. <laughs> And then uh, he eventually turns up and Foreman's like, oh, we we want to like help search for the patient. And House is like, I can't help with these things. Like, only ask me, you know, when I'm needed. Yeah. So Foreman's... it kind of sets up a good dynamic of like Foreman and the team are for dealing with the patient. He's for solving it. Aha. And I think it does it in a much more subtle way than the pilot where it's literally the patient. I know I've said this a million times, yeah. but the patient literally doesn't have a character other than going... Are you Dr. House? <laughs> like, she just says that, like, five times. Um, but he actually says, um, Foreman says, so do you want me to call you when we need you? Hmm. He says, call me when I can do something. That's what House is about. Yeah. If you want, if you need, only call me when I can actually do something to affect or change the treatment or the outcome. Mm. Don't call me when you think you need me, like you need a hug or yeah. <laughs> you need a pat on the back or you need someone to say, well done, you did a good job. Yeah. Well, he's um, all about results. That's... He's he's definitely about figuring out the problem, getting to the truth. Anything else is ephemeral. At least it seems that way, you know, or irrelevant. Mm. At least it seems that way now. But I think as we'll see hopefully in the arc for house as a character that actually sometimes it's not necessarily about you know just doing something it's about when you need it like when he needs help you know rather than just you know someone coming along and saying i do help mm. what does that mean it doesn't even make any syntactical <laughs> sense um yeah well it's a it's an ongoing thing with house that like he denies the emotional side because he thinks it's irrelevant mm. and a lot of the i would say repetitive character arcs like i would say that you know <laughs> like house sometimes feels like it's going over a bridge over and over and over again like over a bumpy road just lots of arcs of the same thing of like house gets the feeling that he needs to be more emotionally in touch with the world oh he didn't do it <laughs> which will go because i actually think works and works for like the type of show it is but like this definitely as you say sets up that whole emotional element which is definitely explored possibly too much <laughs> during the seasons but i think that's more because there's just a lot of seasons and there's only so much you can do with house because if house is just completely happy and fine then he's not house he's not interesting yeah um, and I think his character is, if you think about it this way, he's always a doer. He wants to do something mm. all the time. If he's not doing something, then he's in his apartment, maybe doing nothing and feeling sorry for himself. Yeah. Um, so he's like a shark. He always has to keep moving to the next problem or his ego and his personality will die. And I think one of the things that you find later on, what I've, what I've already seen spoiler alert so you get an interesting arc where it's about um the fact that actually it's more than just doing stuff he has to find a core to his personality that isn't dependent on just solving problems all yeah. the time 
which we'll, I don't know if he solves or not. So I'm at a kind of big question mark with that. Fantastic. So don't tell me. Well, no, that's, that's why it's interesting to watch the show with someone who hasn't seen it before, because like, you know, to me, it's just, <laughs> you know, you actually get to see those things and can tell me if they're interesting or not because for me like obviously i already know the plot and like i think obviously i've seen it so much and like thought about it so much that there are bits that i just think like oh that's so tired and hack in the grand scheme of things but you can see it and be like that's a genuinely interesting episode that i enjoyed in the moment whereas over the course of eight years i was waiting for each season and sometimes like over expecting things so it's good that you can just watch it in a bulk and go oh, that is as good as episode, like that season eight episode is as good as that season three episode. Hmm. Whereas like, I think inevitably if you watch something over a long period of time, you start to get nostalgia for the old episodes. So when you get to season eight, you're like, this isn't as good, <laughs> even though it's completely adequate. Yeah. Um, Which... oh, we, yeah. Uh, on our little live clip that we're doing at the same time, uh, Wilson and House having a conversation. Cuddy's in the, there now. He makes a misogynistic remark. They have a conversation again. Uh, so they still just don't know what they're doing with Wilson. He's just standing there. <laughs> yeah. He's just dead meat. Exactly, in yeah. That, I, in that shot. I think you describing the scene just like perfectly sums that up. Like <laughs> just, yeah. How House and Cuddy have chemistry. Wilson is just standing there. Like he is just <laughs> the <laughs> floppy haired, like nice man. And um, yeah, he like, I think what the show, I, I don't know if Wilson like is a bit of, the, has the Trojan horse syndrome, which seems to, you know, affect the rest of the series. But Wilson actually, when you like start exploring why he's such a nice person and how that nicest might be like a bit of a, like an actual, a, a negative trait, sort of like, you know, virtue theory, you know. You can be nice, you can be not nice, or you can be too nice, which is like self-destructive. And I think Wilson has that too nice that it's self-destructive, which explains lots of things. It explains how he's friends with House, that destroys his life. It explains why he has so many divorces. Okay, right. We're but, getting into so many details that we will yeah, get into. But, but you need you need that extra element to Wilson. You need to know he's too nice. But yeah. for now, he is just a nice man who is just standing next to house <laughs> and he just every so often when house says something he turns his head to house yeah and goes, and then he turns back it's like looking at an npc <laughs> in a game <laughs> it is it's almost like an oblivion character is like stood next to like house going you couldn't mean that that's outrageous good to work house <laughs> yes <laughs> I've treated mud crowds more fearsome than you. <laughs> um, uh... <laughs> but I think I think overall, not to because like obviously you know we, you know we want to talk as much about each episode as possible. But I I really think like a lot of what I don't know if you agree, but a lot of what of my thoughts about the pilot are kind of here and they're sort of fixed. I just think like there, there's something uh, there's something about that pilot where the chemistry isn't there, like. The performances aren't quite there. The color grading isn't quite there. <laughs> and it just feels like, you know, everyone's really naturalistic. Everyone's bouncing off, off off each other. Like, it just feels like everyone's established better. Wilson, not so much, but he'll get there. And I just think, like, the second episode is just a really tight, like, just follow-up to that. I think it's a good, soft reboot of the pilot. And okay. I think it really just does everything again much better 
And um, it's not just the formula that's established this time. I also think like the character traits are here now. Like yeah. I think everything's really solidly established. And I think this second episode is, you know, in the grand scheme of things, not a great episode, but I think it does everything so well that it's like a fantastic redo of the pilot. Yeah. Just on a side note, um, there was also another clinic skit in that with the lawsuit. I think there was a little little nudge from David Shaw. I mean, he was a lawyer. Mm. He knows his business. He does. Well, there's lots of those skits that become a bit topical, like there's malpractice, vaccination. <laughs> like there's a lot of those that um, creep in. WebMD consults. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and, but I just wanted to bring that up. I Obviously, it's a interest to some people maybe they follow the skits maybe mm. that's their favorite part so i thought i'd just satisfy that so they've gone through that um little uh you know he's got a wound on the leg there's some pus coming out his big house has figured out with deduction that this man's up to no good um has a little bit of a chat i guess you could call it a chat with wilson but really it's just house talking to a inanimate object <laughs> and wilson's going on yeah. a truck and it's on a truck so yeah. it's you know he's just being trailed <laughs> along it's like just keep that nice little foppish uh look going Absolutely. keep moving your neck every time it looks like house is about to say something it's like and every time you see him you're just like is that the guy from dead poet society <laughs> <laughs> um the thing i think um i mean there's lot there's lots that happens in this episode like we could talk about like how house like deduces that the kid is adopted and how he handles that in a really unprofessional way. And yeah. it kind of, yeah, again, matches with house's general, like I would rather be right than emotionally sensitive. He pushes the line. He, he pushes the boundary a little bit. And I think it introduces an aspect of his character. That's always constantly testing the boundaries mm. of what is acceptable. Yeah. Like in his profession. Yeah. I mean, taking the cups from, you know, two pair, two parents, and manip- also, firstly, he manipulated them into doing that by mm. saying, "Oh, I'll take it for you," and was being nice. Now, I don't know if he was being genuine in his compassion that few moments when he said, "I'll go see a kid," mm. or if he was just like, "Great, I found them. They're in a trap. Mm. Let's do this." Well, that's what's quite good about the character is he is quite hard to read. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's not a complete psychopath. He obviously has emotions, <laughs> but um, but he does use them to manip- manipulate in a lot of ways. It's quite hard to like tell how much House actually cares. Oh, it's also one one thing I I do like about this is that you do see. I know this isn't true. <laughs> I know that the residents don't actually um don't actually do their own work like this, but you do see the people actually like running the tests waiting around like you see house doing research Mm. like there's a sense of like yeah there's a sense that like everyone is like busy and intelligent and they became intelligent for reasons if you see what i mean like they have skills it's not just like people are just walking into rooms and treating like in er you just like er or these other medical procedures like you never see them working you just see them walking into rooms and like making diagnoses and stuff like that. Then again, they do that, but I think they get the balance right. Mm. So I think there's a lot of lot a lot of the TV show is just people in a room trying to figure out why this person is sick. 
and yeah. then saying, okay, how do we go about doing that? <laughs> now, you could easily have just kept it at that and not just said, done like a little tiny montage of them doing the tests. Yeah, absolutely. And that would have been wrong. But you could have easily have had it where they're always in the laboratory doing something like CSI style, but for about 20 minutes and house coming in there <laughs> periodically. That would have been off. That would have been terrible. But they get the balance right where it's like, you know, they're not just people trying to solve a Rubik's Cube problem. They're actually scientists mm. and they're trying their best to figure out a complex case. And I think David Shaw obviously gets that right yeah balance because sometimes it's a bit like a seminar room you see like a like in a university or a college where they have like the acronyms and they try and they're trying to figure out what it is and there's diagrams and people are kind of waxing lyrical about what it could possibly be <laughs> and then that's interesting because you get a picture of not only the character but also the thought processes house has yeah um right or wrong and also the same with the others and it's a good way to test out the characters and also their clashes and viewpoints yeah not just based in i don't like you or oh you you had an affair i don't like you it's like i disagree with you fundamentally on this diagnosis and that becomes the pivot point for character development yeah in some cases rather than just you know you could easily have gone down the route of you know generic one where it's all about personal issues all of the time yeah well the that's diagnosis what... is personal to them absolutely yeah. and they and that's what i think that's what the pilot misses it's the the team doesn't because they're new and they're trying to establish them as like new naive residents hmm. they don't push back whereas in this because they do differentials they're like actually like the way they handle them is unique uh we're at the resolution stage on the video we're watching mm. um or stream well thing i think like yeah aside from just general chatting about the episode like there's not there's not a bit oh although the ending right so <laughs> no so the end the ending is an interesting one and i think the ending um because i think th i do think just most of the episode is just improvements over the pilot i think that's I, I, if if you agree i'm not sure if you do yeah i <laughs> I'm in two minds because I did praise the pilot for establishing what I think is the mantra of the series, which is everybody lies. That we're very selective with the truth. Mm. And when someone comes which, along... Which this does do. Yeah. yeah. But it does it in such an overt way in the pilot <laughs> that I was okay with that. Obviously, the smash, the kind of crash zoom on the... Fibromyalgia person was a little bit spooky, yeah, a bit tonally off, and the um, orange sandwich, <laughs> sandwich. <Yeah. laughs> the sandwich uh, scene was a little bit too intense for my liking. Yeah, I mean, usually that's reserved for you know commercials about food. Mm. <laughs> I imagine Omar Epps had to practice diligently to make that work. For a <laughs> singer, well, the um. But the but the, the the ending scene I think really like sort of you see House with his cane and it's kind of like, Oh, that's just grumpy old house with his cane. And I think that the final scene and you do learn more about House, you learn that he was quite an active guy. Mm. And you also learn a bit more about how he feels about his disability. But like he's very playful about his disability in the first two episodes. And I think 
that ending shot where like you confront and i'm sure that he was a, picked as a lacrosse player for a reason or like a sportsman for a reason because you do just get that nice little ending where house is like confronting the fact that you know he's like you don't really see him passionate about something unless it's for you know curiosity but in like that lacrosse he's really passionate about that lacrosse game like he clearly loves lacrosse i don't know much about house at this point but i'm like if i was watching it fresh i'd be like hey that guy (laughs) that guy loves lacrosse and like you know that's the one time where you see him like genuinely passionate like he's clearly left his house he's gone to go and watch that lacrosse game and then like but you clearly see like how much regret and loss he has over losing his leg I mean, maybe well, he, he didn't hasn't need lost to... his leg. He's just limping. That's true, but he, you know, he's but he's lost so much mobility, and you don't really see that at any other point. I think that scene really does it well. I mean, maybe we didn't need the staring into space <laughs> with like everyone's left and House has just stood there for four <laughs> hours. I don't know what he's thinking about. It's just like the same. It's just nothing. He's yeah. thinking about nothing. He held, you know, the stick like a lacrosse. Yeah, exactly. Like Maybe a bit much. <laughs> but, um... Maybe he loved sport that much, but he t- he just lost the passion for it as soon as he, you know, he had his infarction. I don't think he lost the passion for it. I think he couldn't physically <laughs> do it anymore. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. I think it's like, you know, if you were like, uh, you know, if you were in a relationship and you and you broke up with them, I don't think that you like lose your passion for having regular sex. I think it's just taken away from you. That's a very crude example. It was a crude yeah. example, but it's like, you know, I, I I would say that, you know, House isn't, he's had that snatched away from him. I think that's the power of that scene. But I think, um, so just to round off. Wrap it up. We've, we've obviously, we've only covered two episodes Indeed. in this episode, but I, but I think, I think, those two episodes were good ones to focus on because it's pretty much two versions of the pilot. In your opinion? In my opinion. That's, yeah, I, I suppose so. But I would, obviously I consider the second one my favorite, unless you hadn't noticed that. Yeah. But I, but I think like as, as a pair of episodes, they go together pretty well. I definitely think they are the pilot, that one is a reboot of the pilot. My... I might be wrong, but I think there's enough like re-establish, re-establishing things there that I think it... And it definitely rewrites a lot. I think if we'd have gone forward with the same house as in episode one, I don't think that show would have been as popular as it was. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> obviously the tone of the ending of Pilot was pretty terrible. Um, <laughs> you really don't like that ending. No, I just find it absolutely horrific. Because yeah. that ending, what happened? House like stared into space <laughs> depressed. Yeah, that's how an ending should be. That's that's a much more appropriate ending for House. That's a house ending. Like yeah, they really got the tone right. Um you know, it really made me feel at home with House um seeing that second ending. But on the other hand, I think that it's I don't see it as a reboot. I see it as a compare and contrast. They refine the methods David Shaw has obviously got the green light to do this season and he wanted to run with it in a way that, you know, was a little different from what Brian Singer had put in initially hmm. because he does come back as a directorial, he does come back in a directorial or directorial or what would you call it, in a directorial role Yeah. Um, again. And so he, he fits the formula 
that house has then established in the second episode yeah. more. He's not freewheeling with yeah. like, oh, let's make it brown. <laughs> what? He just it, <laughs> it spans like color palettes. He becomes like some sort of insane abstract expressionist on TV. <laughs> the first episode I colored after John this. I wanted the next one is heart disease. It's <laughs> red, blue. I mean, it depends on the kind of disease that's happening. If it's a lack of oxygen. Hmm. Being transported through the heart be blue, surely, mm. or a kind of purpley blue. cholera, brown, yeah, brown, um, <laughs> diarrhea. I guess brown again. <laughs> Maybe just... a different hue. <laughs> um, Internal bleeding, black. Um, oh my god! Um, oh, black death. I mean, that's a fantastic one. You know, Turns up, uh, Yesenia pestis is the name of the black death. Wow, uh, is the microorganism that's supposed to be responsible for the black death. And Gaz didn't read that off Wikipedia. He just knew that. Just know that. But you told me you weren't a doctor. <laughs> well. <laughs> um, well, if I was to give my differential diagnosis on these two episodes, I would say it is like night and day or, or like um, a heavily diseased patient and a cured one. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> the second episode is very cured. <laughs> But um, anyway, I hope you enjoyed the first episode of Differential Diagnosis in which we looked at the first two episodes of House MD. Um, we'll be back same time next week. You can join us or you don't have to. The show's over. You can watch all the episodes and have your own thoughts about them. But um, anyway, thanks for listening. And uh, it's goodbye from me, Harvey, and goodbye from Gaz. Goodbye. See you later. <laughs>